1: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
3: Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak yeah, Gadget for all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs go to yakgadget.com Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake for all your lodging kayaking and fishing needs go to eastport.info Now let's get this show started
4: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reel Down on paddling Finn. We appreciate you listening. And with me tonight as a co-host, I've got Armando Salah. How you doing, man?
5: Pretty good, man. How you doing, Dan?
4: Good. Uh the host of kayak bass and beers, also here on Paddle and Finn. Bass uh, kayak and Beers. There you go. Bass. <laughs> well. <laughs> Shoot. That's how, this how, we that's how we're Same gonna start the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how I kayak bass Bass, Kayak yeah. and Beers every bass, Tuesday morning. Yeah. I listen to the show. That's enough. All right. All
5: right, that's cool. All right. I appreciate your support.
4: Yeah, but we, uh, Armando, he fished the, the Hobie tournament, but that's we have two guests, first and second place, uh, Cody Henley and Ro, uh, Rolando Nandine from they they got first and second in the tournament, and the Hobie on Toledo Bend. Armando also fished it. Didn't do quite as well, but yeah. had a good tournament.
0: Yeah. yeah,
5: saying I fished it is a very loose term. Uh, you know, loose use of the term fishing. But yeah, ended up with three total. No, four, four total fish. Well, two
4: I, I, I did worse on Seminole and the Hobie, so that don't feel bad. I'm never going back there.
5: You keep yeah. saying that every year. This is the second time. This is the second year in a row I heard you say you're not going back to Seminole.
4: Yeah, you said I'm, it last well, year. Yeah, two years in a row I went. <laughs> now I'm never going back. Two is enough. And for some reason, I, yeah, I, I love Georgia and Florida, but, but the hey, I'm there. Yeah. Let's talk
5: about what you did, right? You just won a tournament. I mean, let's not focus yeah. on my failure here. You won a tournament.
4: Yeah, I had a good weekend. I'll talk nice. about it later, but I won the Tennessee Valley Kayak Anglers of Chattanooga tournament on Gunnersville, And then second day, that was Saturday, and then Sunday was the Rattle Trap only tournament, Bill Lewis tournament. And I got fifth in that, one out of the money. But, yeah, talk a little bit more about that later after the guys went well. Take up too much air time, but so we'll go ahead and bring them on. We got Rolando and Cody. How y'all doing, guys?
6: I great you doing.
4: Congratulations, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you for being on show and, and congrats on the, the, the big checks. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both yeah.
5: of you got some on Rolando. I know you made some nice money over the last two weeks, Cody. You too with the 10. Um, and now this, both of you, are, are you, ret- you know, quitting your day job, retiring, <laughs> focusing on fishing now? That's, I mean, that's some serious money you guys won over the last month.
6: Yeah. If we could, if I could do it every month like that, I could. But, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, it's not quite that consistent.
5: <laughs> well, I won't ask how much because I have more personal, but I'm sure it's pretty good. Both checks were pretty good, both for you, Rolando and Cody. Congratulations mm-hmm. again.
4: Thanks. Yeah, and Brett, Rolando, you. I, I, you're one of the guys I had in my, uh, my pick them and the on the fancy showing for some reason, I didn't put you on my team. I, I don't know if I was drinking or what. Big but,
2: mistake.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It he didn't work out for big me. Mistake. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, but since neither one of y'all has been on before, Cody, we'll start with you. Uh, tell everybody how you got into kayak fishing and a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, hey, uh, I've, I've probably kayak fished for six, seven years, maybe. I, I had a buddy of mine give me his kayak back when I was in Mississippi, and uh, I got hooked, man. It was just so easy to throw on top of the car, strap it through the, strap your straps through the window, and just roll out. Started ripping the rubber seals off the door because I'd strapped it <laughs> so many times, and then water would just pour in. But, I mean, it was, it was my mammal's car that she gave me, so it is what it is. But yeah. after that, I actually uh, went on a mission for two years and I told people about Jesus. I actually served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints there in Utah know. and told people about Jesus and helped them come unto Christ. And then afterwards, I went home for like five weeks. I kind of had a rougher life growing up. My dad passed when I was 13 in a car wreck. So it kind of just dwindled. And fishing was just a big thing that saved me, man. Like, it saved no questions asked. Like, it saved my life completely. And after my mission, I went visit my mom for like five weeks, six weeks. And then I flew back to Utah and stayed with my uncle. And I moved in with him. I started working as an electrician. And fast forward, maybe like a year, I would say, I met my wife. We were, pretty, yeah, we were married. And, mm-hmm. I was fishing out on a lake called Deer Creek Reservoir. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I met someone out on the water, and they said that they were practicing for a tournament. I'm like, what do you mean? What type? What do you mean tournament? Like a fishing tournament? She's like, yeah, we're fishing for bass. I'm like, there's bass in Utah? I'm out there throwing like crankbaits. I don't know what's out there. I've never been. And uh, I looked it up. She told me about the Facebook Facebook group got online, I reached out to them, like, what do I need to do? Like, I want to be a part of this. And it was already in the middle of the season. So I had missed the qualifying tournaments that I needed to actually go to, like, their national championship. But I fished that tournament, and I took – I think I took on big bass. So I took on, like, a $300 check. And to me, I was so pumped. Like, I just went out there, fished a tournament, and won some money. I was freaking out. And my wife will tell you that was over for me. That was it. Uh, <laughs> I started looking up every single tournament series – I, uh, next year I, uh, signed up to be a member and, uh, I won angler of the year in kayak fishing, Utah, my first year. And then my second year, I won kayak fishing, Utah angler of the year again. And we averaged 60 to 80 members yeah, and probably 60 people in a tournament. Well, then I started hearing about KBF. I started hearing about Hobie. I started hearing about all these different things. Like Yakabass was a big thing out West and I'm like, we, we've got to go to them, but 15-hour, 12- to 15-hour drive is long, man. I just – it was just – it was hard for us. So, we teamed together. I got my buddy, Cayman Rasmussen. I know you all probably heard of him from fishing KBT and KFL and uh, Adam McCluskey. We all went together, and we went out to our first Hobie event. And uh, obviously, it didn't pan out like we wanted to. I was sitting in fourth on day one, and um, that's when my back messed up. And I ended up having to just float with the river back, you know, how the – that uh ocean whatever what would you call that reservoir not even a reservoir that canal system what would you call that oh oh, what
4: what what lake was it it's the california delta it's connected to the actual ocean man i don't know know. well
1: whatever like the tide would go in and then the tide would go out so i would just float whichever and i just didn't get the fish that i needed to but i knew from then on i'm hooked and uh Went out to uh, Yakabass with uh, James Snyder, put on a West Coast championship for everyone out west and all the local clubs would team together. And then they would see whoever qualified would bring them out west. And I ended up fishing my first ever KBF trail. I took a first, a fourth, I think like a ninth. And then I took second in the West Coast championship out of like 120 anglers. And I'm like, this is crazy, dude. I brought home a pretty, pretty, pretty penny check and my wife was like, you know what, maybe you can do this. Like, I like this. And uh, that's when I actually quit my job. I actually hurt my back enough that I'd quit my job. I was an electrician. Uh, obviously, fishing didn't take off right then. I was really messed up. I laid up for about four and a half, five months, and I opened up a soft plastic company, and it's called Henley Custom Lures. Pretty typical. That's my last name. But uh, opened that up. It started taking off a little bit quicker than I thought it would. I think – with me winning angler of the year it kind of helped like the people like oh well maybe he knows what he's doing which i didn't i had no clue man i just got super lucky and super blessed and uh that's really how it really started for me man this is after i talked to chad about all i have to do is fish three events out west i went out there and i got had a first, like the like first fourth or ninth and then i went down to the national championship and when he called my name to be in the ten, i was shook 100 percent shook i didn't think i did good enough um, but I forgot it was day one and day two and choked on day three. Uh, for some reason I launched at a different ramp and that didn't, ugh, it didn't pan out at all. So yeah. And then this year I have over 25 national trails lined up. So it's going to wow. be, it's going to be an epic year. Hopefully, hopefully it's not one of those, you get a crazy start and then bam, you dropped on your face. So we'll are, see. Are,
4: are you fishing this weekend on Folsom?
1: No, I was, I prom. i I promised my wife I wouldn't I was but I've been gone I've I just got home yeah, this morning oh yeah. at like 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and I've been gone since the 22nd of January so yeah so I'm just gonna skip it I think my next one's uh Arizona KBF, and then Colorado and then we go to Broken Bow for Hobie
4: cool all right Rolando how, how about you man
6: yeah, man I uh, I've been kayak fishing I think since 2017 but I've been fish I've been bass fishing since I was a kid I uh, I live most of my life here in San Antonio and I had a lot of family in Del Rio Texas so I used to actually bass go down there and, and I fish spent a amistad. lot of time down there <laughs> yeah I used to yeah. fish, bass fish amistad and, and the park that's right there in del Rio <clears throat> and uh, I actually got a kayak uh, pending that I wanted to get a boat but then I met some friends doing that, and they told me about the kayak tournaments. So I said, you know what? Let me give it that shot. So I started jumping into the local stuff that I found here in San Antonio. And um, actually, it wasn't that good for me. I I, when I I thought I could do well, but when I jumped in these tournaments, man, I realized I was going up against some pretty, pretty good hammers here and uh, okay. quickly realized that I had to sharpen up my skills because I just – you know, I felt like these guys had pet fish at the lakes they went to because they were just <laughs> catching, you know, 95 plus bags. And I'm like, I'm over here struggling trying to get 75, 80 inches. And I'm like, geez, how are they doing this? Every almost every event. Uh, and so took me about two years to really kind of sharpen things up. And then I started getting a little bit, you know, in contention. And I did a lot of the cats events here in San Antonio. Um and yeah, and I started off with a basic uh, academy kayak, you know, just something very inexpensive. And then I upgraded to a pedal system, which was the uh, at the time it was uh, a Pescador Pilot. Yeah, and and oh, uh, the same kayak. Yeah, <laughs> that was the same one I started with. <laughs> the OG, the OG, yeah. And I I, I thought that was great, right? And uh, and until you got in a Hobie uh yeah uh, you know and i even remember saying that like when i saw hobie and i saw the prices of those things i was like man i don't need to spend that much money to be able to man once i tried it i was i was like yeah there, there's no way like I, I need a i need a better platform than the, the pilot because i realized that didn't have the storage to can carry the rods and people freak out how many rods i carry now because i carry a lot of rods with me and <clears throat> It's quite a. It's usually more than anybody I ever fish with. So, well, how many? I carry sixteen.
4: Holy shit. God dog. <laughs> that I is. Thought a, I, I, I thought you were going to say like thirteen. <laughs> no, I carry 16.
6: sixteen. Yeah, I do down. I do downsize on some of it depending on the con, you know the the fishery. But if if things are not, I got to be dialed in, man, and I'll carry ten to thirteen, maybe. But, like, this past weekend, I actually did not carry 16. Um, I carried a little bit less than that. But a lot of the times, that Hobie, you know, I, I fish out of a Pro Angler 14, 360, and my crate carries 10. So I'll carry backup rods that I feel like I might, just in case I run into something that I need to use, I'll carry, th- you know how the Hobie carries mm-hmm. three on each side? That's where I carry my other six is right there on the side. But the 10 in the back. But, honestly, I usually only touch, like, four of them. But there is times that uh, – you know, if something comes up, I'm like, I got it. I'm good. You know, <laughs> it's tight on. But, um, yeah, 2017, Kayak Fish did ACK. Uh, I, I actually started doing the uh, TKC, which is Tournament Kayak Championship, last year, and I won Angler of the Year in that one. Yep. And uh, I won a couple other tournaments locally, and I think uh, I, I've never done any of the KBF ones and uh i really don't like doing online tournaments i usually like doing the in-person ones um just kbf hasn't come close enough for me to do anything so i've always stuck kind of local. and uh now that i get a little bit more time to myself to be able to travel i'm gonna start doing more of these tournaments going you know doing the hobie i'll do the one in oklahoma the broken bow and uh this is the first Hobie one that I've actually ever done, but most of, most of the stuff I fished has been locally. Uh, we do have some pretty, you know, good anglers here where I fished in San, in in the Austin area. So those guys going up against them, I feel, have kind of prepared me to kind of face off some of these guys that are on the national level. Because man, a lot of these Texas guys that I fished, they're that's all they you know, think about this fishing, man. So when I got yeah, into definitely. it, I was like, man, you guys are on another level, man. And, it, and it's basically gotten me there too, man. That's all I talk about nowadays. I I I work and, and even when I'm working, I'm thinking about what the hell I want to do next, the weekend yeah. coming up.
5: <laughs> Eat, breathe it. And, you know, talk yeah. to other people. Be- yeah. yeah. And before we go into the questions, kind of wanted to give you a shout out, Orlando, because you've been on my podcast before when you won um, the TKC at Belton. And we talked a little bit about your talent, like you're well known in Texas, but you never really stepped into that national stage. I was always curious, you know, once Rolando steps into the national stage and we talked about in the podcast, everybody better watch out. And I mean, when we looked at what you did in Lake Fork and then Toledo Bend on extreme conditions, like we in Texas are not used to fishing with ice and we nobody fishes on 30 mile per hour winds and people might point out and say well you know he still is fishing in texas even though it's national events bass nation or bass master now kayak series and hobie it is still lakes that we as texans are not accustomed to fishing under those conditions and for you now stepping on the national stage, like nobody in texas is surprised to see your name up there but i know Mm -hmm. a lot of people that follow more the national trail are like, okay, who's this guy, Rolando Nandino? It's like, well, we know about this guy because we've seen him in Texas. So big congratulations to you. You're coming out partying the national uh-huh. um, trail. is no surprise to any of us in Texas. Uh, we know how what a great fisherman you are. And I love what you said about, because that's where I'm at When we're like you two years ago, when I see guys like Diego Monsal and Matthew Scotch putting up godly numbers every week, and I'm like, how the heck do I reach that level? And listening to you going through that process Mm -hmm. um, is, I think, not just for me, but anybody that's listening that is in that stage where you get intimidated by what other people do day in and day out, tournament in, tournament day out. But for you to just come from that point of view to now hitting the national stage the way you are. That's a big inspiration, I think, to anybody.
6: Yeah, man, I think that's always good to, uh, uh, you know, to understand that there, you know, people. Some people are gifted, man, and they just right flat out just smash them, just going out anywhere. Uh, but I think it's uh, you, you, if you work at it and you pay attention, and and there's a lot of like for me, um, I I already had a background of fishing since I was a kid. I just I, need, I just needed to put the pieces together to target um, it really is understanding the species. That before I used to fish, I just I just knew that I needed to tie a line, tie an artificial lure and go out there and just hit the banks, right? Um, when I started competing, I started realizing like I can't I can't do that and consistently be at the top, you know trying to do that. So I needed to sharpen up my skills. And understanding what the species actually does, and what under what conditions, what season, things like that. So I really started studying up on, you know, I even watch YouTube videos like what bass were doing, and I saw I, I even try to find like people that are researching, like try to read the Berkeley stuff because Berkeley's big on on scent stuff, and they always put out information on, you know, studying the bass and doing all this stuff. And I just I'm like geek man, just re- soaking in all that information. And just trying to put the pieces together whenever I'm presented with whatever scenario I am. And, uh, and I think that if anybody just puts the time in, they can reach a level that, you know, some of these people that, have, that are gifted that just naturally just, you know, have an eye for it, right? Because you also can, can have that where you go on a lake and you're just like, I know there's a bass sitting right there, you know?
4: <laughs> and ca- Cody, what, what kind of kayak are you in? I'm um, saying same. Uh,
1: pro angler to a 14 foot 360. Green though, it ain't blue. All
6: three of y'all. <laughs> the 360, man. Yeah, you know We're God, taking it's over. A, it's a it's a love and hate relationship with that 360, but man, I I really when it's working 100%, it's it's awesome. Uh, do, you, do you do a lot of maintenance on it? I found I've never had a
5: problem with mine, but I do constant maintenance on it, which I know do. no. uh, I don't that, that's the thing. I think a lot of people like I with the clutch and everything, not just with the drive, but where the drive goes, there's a bunch of bolts, and not a bunch, mm-hmm. but two or three bolts that you need to tie, cons- you know, re- Adjust. re-adjust consistently. Mm-hmm. And that really avoids the, the belt problems that you've had, I think. Um, yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people don't do maintenance on it. And so many moving parts, if you want it to work, you have to to constantly give it maintenance. Yeah. It's not just throw in the garage and think it's gonna work perfectly every time.
0: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online.
2: To get fifty percent off.
6: Yeah, no, I'm at fault. I a hundred percent agree. I, I I'm I'm bad at keeping maintenance on it. I I like running things until they're like, Oh, something's going on wrong. I gotta fix it now. <laughs> oh, it broke. Now it's yeah. time to fix it. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> I throw my old town in the garage, it doesn't have any problems. But you know. Yeah, Less uh, but, stuff. but both of them are hater, great. Hater. I'm, I'm not No, I'm not hating. I'm not. My shop has both. I could have either one. I just you know, Cody, have you I'm, had issues
6: with your 360?
1: Um, here and there, not yeah. not a ton. My first one. Uh, now this could be wrong, but they were using the wrong. It seemed like they were using the wrong blade to to sand that 360 belt down. And I would twist my 360, and it would lock up, and, and it would slip. And it would slip about an inch and a half. And it would make a loud popping noise. And I freaked out. I didn't know what it was. And uh, I ended up getting a little small crack in mine. So they warranted out me a new hole. So that fixed my 360 belt. But my drive on my kick-up fins. Hey, babe, will you bring me that piece for my kayak that's gray? My drive on my 360. You know how your kick-up fins kick up? Fins yep. kick up? Mine won't stay locked in now. Uh, I don't know if it's for me running that motor so much or what's going on, but oh. these pieces—this is what they'll replace. So they yeah. just sent me these. They warranty these out inside. I'm not saying it's a stupid design, but it's plastic in there, so it's got yeah. a plastic lip, and that metal piece will slide back in there and lock in, right? So It'll I don't know if—yeah, I don't know if that messed up or if the metal is actually wearing. So when I change these out before arizona i'm gonna find out if but other than that no like i give mine i give her heck dude i'm not gonna sit here and lie like when i want to go i'm going like i'm so used to going 5.453 5, miles an hour with that newport vessel like and then you go 1.3 when you're peddling you know so I, i'm doing as much as i can trying to keep up with the style of fishing that i'm doing and i'm running it into everything full blast you know and has meant my fault, but I do try to maintenance my drive. I do try to tighten those bolts. Like Armando was saying, like, I do try to do all those things. Mm-hmm. I'll twist my drive up and spin it around. I'll grease everything that I can. Yeah. Wherever I see grease or lube, I'm putting more stuff on it. You know, I feel like with the 360, there's so many more components moving. You know, yeah, there's you gotta so do that. many more things. You know, when you talk about that I and mean, you're autopilot, like, what, what are you maintaining? You know, I mean, if you have auto lock, yeah, there's, there's maintenance. But there's nothing like the particles that we have moving around, yep. which more things, more things are gonna break.
4: Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not sponsored by Old Town. I, I'm not talking <laughs> you, bad about it. No, no, you feel left out there? I'm, I'm not then? trying
5: to put that on you either. <laughs> yeah,
4: I love, I love my cat. I'm about to sell my predator and get a big water, just you know, to go to the newest one. So I just no, I'm just ganging up
5: on you.
1: That's <laughs> all Is right. That what you have you have the autopilot spot lock
4: no i have a big uh predator big water
0: predator. oh okay I yeah we, we, the... we
4: don't they don't allow motors here in alabama so oh yeah, really no motor. now we're mm. a, we're just i get my fat uh, ass out there I, and yeah. pedal my my I, well.
6: I i was like nah, i don't need a i don't need a motor and uh man when i first decided to get one and I tried it it is so hard to go without it now
2: man. oh insane. it is so hard uh, apparently not
6: because you just want Toledo so it's not that hard <laughs> no I know but you know it's like it's like when you think about going to a spot you know you you think about it two three times now because you're like man that's about one and a half two miles that way uh, before when you have the motor you're like yeah I'll just motor over there you know and that it like 15 I, minutes yeah and and at, at Toledo when I took off from the ramp i'm like I'm looking at that shoreline way on the opposite side. I'm like, dude, that is so far. Like I don't know if I want to pedal there.
4: Yeah. I think next year more and more clubs here, because I've only fished local clubs and then Hobie that uh that more and more clubs are starting to allow mowers and I could practice with a you know yeah with a motor and a Hobie. So I I think probably next year I'll finally move over to the dark side. <laughs> but all right so here we'll uh we'll go ahead and start talking about the tournament and i'll go over the numbers first uh, day one robert smith was in first with 91 and three quarter then rolando you with 90 inches garrett wade and 30 with 90 and cody were in fifth with 89 and a half i think you were todd with fourths. so i mean you were right there too um day two uh michael mira and we couldn't find him on social media because we usually have First, second, and third on. So, Michael, if you're watching, sorry, bud, we you are hard to get in touch with. You are like blackout on the social <laughs> media.
5: Why are you not bragging about your fish, Michael?
4: Yeah. He's very humble. And uh, second, second place, Ewing Minor, ninety inches. Third, Rolando, you were had eighty-eight and a half, and then Cody, and fourth with eighty-eight and a quarter, and then overall first place. Rolando, you won it with 178 and a half and Cody you were uh, three quarters of an inch behind with 177 three quarter. And I'll, I'll tell you what. So I've been close. doing this three yeah. years now. I've never seen two people who on the show first and second who were so consistent both days in the top five. This is the first show in three years where both first and second place were that were in the top five on first and day one and two. So that's, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what that means, but I think it's an accomplishment. <laughs> well,
6: on, well, the fact that we both had uh, pescador pilots, I think we're on the same page with a lot of things. <laughs> right, <laughs> man.
2: There
4: you go. I like it. All right. So we'll start off with practice. Cody, t- tell us about your practice, man.
1: Uh, okay. Practice uh, didn't go great for me. Not going to lie. I am a shallow fishery. I'm a power fisherman out of this world. I want to throw a frog all day, every day. I don't want to put it down. And I threw it during practice, and I caught some fish on it. Um, uh, First thing I thought of, like, I want to go up the river and I want to get back in the sloughs as far as I possibly can. Well, my buddy with me, Cayman, we so we both went there, and we both picked apart two different areas, and we both got really good bites. Like Tuesday was the only day that I hooked fish. I tried. It depends on what day it is or when I get down there. But that day I put up 97 inches. So for me, I thought, okay, look, that's huge. And I literally just covered like maybe a mile of trees. But I knew like if they're here, they're gonna be back further because the back pockets are gonna be even warmer water. So I know everything's gonna be perfectly fine. I'm set. So I started expanding down river a little bit. Uh, Each day I would get, Wednesday I got 10 more bites off 10 different trees. It was so weird, man. I would have to pick apart every single tree, and I was flipping at the time. I was uh, obviously on my own plastic company. I, I was flipping a seven-inch reamworm. It's like a, it's like a rattlesnake. Some company makes it's kind of similar to that rattlesnake, and I was flipping on a half ounce, and I wasn't getting as many bites Wednesday as I did Tuesday. So I fit, flipped down to a three-eighths, or size down to a three-eighths, and started picking, just getting bites. Every time it'd fall down, they would take it and just run. So it kind of made me curious if like, cause I was pulling it out of their mouth and the hook was buried like, Oh, are they going to relocate on a different tree? What are they doing? Like, are they going to go back to that tree? Like same thing with Orlando, you say like understanding the species is the most mm-hmm. important thing we can do because just like we, if we're cold, what are we going to do? Let's put a jacket on. Like, let's get in the shade. Let's get in the sun. What do we need? So I think that's so important with understanding the fish so each day I would go back and i would go back to, I had over 35 trees marked. I went to every okay. single tree almost each day, which is, is something weird that I do. And I probably shouldn't do it because it messes with my head. And uh, the bites just started slowing down like big time for me. It went from 20 bites to 10 to five to three and i was going back to the same areas just not hooking these fish and i'm like wonder if they're getting used to these lures I wonder if yeah. they know like they know something they know something's up so i started to freak out and i started to panic and uh so i went to the main lake i went out there just didn't like it man i'm not an offshore fishery i have pan optics uh, rolando is way better than me at pan optics. i just got it this year i'm running a garmin probably the same 93 sv that he's running or I don't know if,
6: if that's what you're running, but... It's a 106, but it's the same thing. Okay, yeah, so, nice. and
1: I love it. Don't get me wrong, I've caught quite a few panoptics fish, and it is it is killer, but I get so glued in on that TV that I'm just sitting there trying to freaking pick these fish yeah. apart, and it just doesn't work out for me like that. Like, I just can't do it. I'd much rather just go around beating the bank or yeah. or finding those structure points off somewhere in that shallow water. So, turn and that... No, wait, let's go back. So I was on the main lake. So I went back upriver, tried to just expand, and really just didn't find anything great. I did find a few more trees. So I think I had over 40 trees marked. And uh, that kind of wrapped up my practice, man. I'll be honest. I was coming off the, the win at the 10. I took second in the pro series. I took second in the invitational, And I won a trail. So I don't want to say I was super relaxed, you know, but I was. I was just – I was happy and content. Like, I was going to – I was just super happy with what had happened and where I I'd, I'd came so far. So, going into the tournament, I was like, hey, it is what it is, but I know where I'm going to have my luck, and I'm
4: going shallow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no,
6: I had uh, – I showed up uh, Wednesday night. Uh, you know, there was a forecast for pretty bad weather, so we ended up leaving – oh, actually, no, I'm thinking about fourth. That was Ford. The follow the I left and got here Thursday. I left Thursday at 2 a.m in the morning around three o'clock actually. I woke up at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. drove off at 3:30. I couldn't find my wallet this mor- that morning so I had mm. to leave I had to leave without my wallet. Uh, I took my wife's credit card and so we just <laughs> did that and uh, I got up there around 9. I don't know, I probably got on the water about 9:30 on Thursday. And I had done a lot of map studying before that. So I already had pre-selected two areas that I wanted to go see. And uh, first Thursday, I showed up on the, on the <clears throat> south end of the lake. I fished there. I lost a freaking giant, dude. I, I hooked into, I, I don't know if it was a bass, but I, I was fishing a brush pile and I wanted to see if there was fish in it. And I threw... A jerk bait there and I saw this thing big old blob just come out and grab it and I set the hook on that thing and it, I could not turn the thing around it went straight back into the brush pile buried me and the damn hook in there and I spent about 15 minutes trying to get it out and I, I couldn't and it ended up it ended up coming off eventually and my lure was <laughs> stuck and I ended up busting it busting off my uh, jerk bait <clears throat> and I just continued fishing in that area and I marked a bunch of stuff down there And uh, I caught fish Thursday. I don't like cooking fish the the day prior to the tournament, Friday. I don't mind it on Thursday, but I usually only get two days of practice for these events. So I finished out my day down south and marked a bunch of stuff. And I was like, I can come here get a limit. It's a decent limit. I don't know if it was strong. At the time, the conditions, I was like, man, I don't know what people are going to pull up. Put up as far as bags, but it's Toledo Bend and it's got giant fish. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to need 90 something inches every day to even have a shot at it. So then I said, let me go mid lake day two. I showed up mid lake both both times on the Texas side and um, said, let me go and find offshore stuff. Uh, First thing I marked a bunch of stuff and everything I'm looking at are transition points for fish coming in to get ready for what they're doing, which is a spawn. And so I knew obviously it's not they're not spawning yet, but I was looking along those lines, just following those, those uh, highways that they use, so to speak, to, to get there. And so I started scanning all of that with my side scan. And my number one tool was the side scan. I marked a bunch of laydowns and that had a ton of fish on Friday. I tried not to hook into too many of those because it was the day before the tournament and I already had looked at the weather. So I knew that my day two spot was going to be my day one for the tournament because I couldn't fish down south because of the wind. <clears throat> so, But it actually planned out because once I looked at the conditions for day two, I'm like, it's perfect. My day two spot is a bunch of docks. It's in the main lake, and it's going to be bluebird skies. I need shade, and I need deep water. So I said, that, that spot's going to be perfect. Actually, is going to work out for me for day two my buddies who I was staying with, they're like, man, you're not going to go back to your day one spot. Like, dude, you did well in that spot, you know? And I'm like, dude, it's not going to, I just don't, gut feeling, it's not going to produce for me like it is, like it did because it was windy and, and cloudy. And normally in those conditions, I beat the bank. I just kind of run the bank and try to find bigger fish, you know, that are kind of roaming around. And uh, <clears throat> so day one, I showed up at that, at that, spot, at that ramp, and I had about an hour uh, to figure things out. And uh, But I already had everything marked, and uh, I'm already getting into my tournament day,
4: and we're talking about practice. So. No, you're, you're, you're good. Go ahead, man. So my practice,
6: um, I did do decent, I don't know, probably in high 80s, low 90s, um, hooking in the fish on Thursday. And then Sunday, I didn't hook many fish, so I really didn't have anything... That I could say that I could say that I that I did really well I was just marking stuff more than anything else on my d two spot and um, <clears throat> decided to start over there where it was a little bit uh, less uh, you know protected and I ended up going into that and finding some some good areas that I marked offshore and and there was only two docks that were worth of worth crap over there and I actually got fish off of those two so that, that was good um, and yeah so my practice was decent. And it, But it wasn't anything that I felt that I could say that I was going to win the tournament. I just yeah. knew that, that I could find fish. And in the process, I needed to get the limit and then and start searching for bigger fish.
4: Okay. So, Cody, you're going into your first day. Uh, the fish are getting smarter. You've been throwing in that ringworm around. So what, what happened, man?
1: Okay, so just day one, or what What are we doing here? Going yeah, it, 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 okay. you can talk about both. Yeah. Okay, uh, day one, I go to – I start literally like uh, – my plan was to start like 10, 10 yards away from the boat ramp. And mm. uh, I pull up, and there's 15, 25 – A move.
6: A yeah. graph move, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it.
1: That's it. I mean, I, even uh, Jackson Orr, I mean, he pulled out the boat ramp, went right, and called an eight-pounder. You know, like he, he's like, call an eight this morning – I don't think he had too much luck later, like throughout the day, I think he actually fished the main lake, but I mean, he pulls out and catches the an eight like immediately. I'm like, goodness. So I started to think like, Oh, there's some big fish here. And, uh, even when I pulled up, and I saw those people. I don't like crowds, man. It gets in my head. It gets in my mm-hmm. head so bad. And, uh, but the thing is you fish different. I don't care who's there with you. You fish so different than them. And, uh, so I'm like, I'm going to hit all my trees and then I'm going to go back and some protected coves because I know the wind's coming up. So I went to each one of my trees. Wind was ripping pretty good, man. And yeah. I don't know if I didn't spend enough time on them or what happened, but I spent almost three hours, two and a half, three hours out there. Didn't catch a single fish. Didn't catch a bite. Mm. Didn't catch anything. But I rolled around to my first part and there was three boats. What it was was there was channels going in and out and then there was a channel in the middle. And in that circle, there was a dip. It went from literally – there was a five-foot channel here and a five-foot channel here. But then the, when, when, when this five-foot channel crossed this other five-foot, made like a cross, it dropped down to 10 feet. Fish Oh Oh, the Jesus was.
4: spot. There's a cross. Yeah.
1: Yes. So, and it literally, fish were stacked. There was tree. There was tree piles. I pulled out the panoptics and looked in there. So many fish were down there. It was unreal. Whether it was a rattle trap, like it was deep enough for all that. Really, what I was doing was throwing that ringworm or a Texas rig, one of my little creature baits, and uh, a lizard, a brush hog, anything like that. Well, I pulled up, and there was three boats there. So I was like, oh, cool, great. Keep it up, guys. Just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm like, yeah, you probably have about 12 fish in your live well right now between the three of you, all 12 that I need. Went to my next spot, rolled around the corner, another boat sitting on the dock that I was going to go to. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm panicking like I just started just got in my head. and I just, I just said, Hey, calm down. You got this. I went to all of the, to the trees and they didn't produce for me. I looked at the time and it was 10 30. I'm like, okay, we've been three hours in. If I catch one fish every three hours, it ain't going to cut it. But I, if I find them, I know, I know that I can get a quick limit and just start calling. So I went back in this pocket and uh, I done good there on two days prior, these were just bites flipping. Well, I went in there and every single boat in the lake was not really, but there was at least six boats in this area. That's only like half a mile long. And then like 200 yards wide, not even a hundred yards wide actually. And there was about seven or 10 kayaks in there. I'm like, Oh wow. But I, I literally ro- drove past every one of them drove. I pedaled past every one of them. I didn't motor. Um, and every single one of them were picking apart trees. So I started to just think, like, okay, they're picking apart trees. I'm about to throw something, reaction, and do everything that I can. And at the 10 and at the trail event and all those events that I did decent, I uh, I called everything on a golden shiner jackhammer. The water was a little bit too dirty for that. I mean, yeah, a little too dirty for a golden shiner. Probably still would have worked. But I, I threw on a white with a white ringworm. And uh, w- within like five casts, pulled out a 17, pulled out 14s, 14, 14, 14, got a limit. And I didn't see a lot of people catching fish. So it started, I didn't know if it was in my head, if I was messing, like, I, I need to save these fish with whatever I need to do. I'm coming back here. Because I then went down all the way and came back and went back. And at the time, I'd pulled out, a, I think, a 19, 75, 1950. 18, 18, 18, seven, five, and another 17 or maybe mm-hmm. a 16. So I had a decent bag. Damn. So two o'clock rolls around and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Most of everyone had left. There were three kayaks left, three of them. Two of them didn't have a limit and uh, one of them did. So I'm like, what? And in between that I'd caught over 25 to 30 fish going Damn. back and forth, back and forth. So I'm like, well, okay, they don't want, the sun isn't up, it isn't calm, you know, I, they're not just sitting, hiding, and holding to cover, you know, so I just kept going back and forth with that chatterbait, and it might have ruined me, but I left at 2 o'clock, and uh, I went and found, just left those fish alone, because I knew I'd be back the next day, and uh, I didn't, I don't think I caught another fish the rest of the day, to be honest with you.
4: Well, I mean, it's, it's so hard to know. You were only a half an inch behind Rolando. And see, that's what I thought, once. too. Yeah. Like, I'm literally so close. Like, it's anyone's game. You know, yeah, we okay. could put up 100
1: inches tomorrow. So, that was that's my day one.
4: All right, Rolando, cool. how about you, man? Cody, yeah, before we go to Rolando, oh. sorry, sorry yeah. about
5: that. What area did you fish on day one, Cody? Was it no, uh, uh, North, South, Texas? Uh, side, do you know UCLA, where the outside? rollers are?
6: No.
1: Have you heard of the rollers? Okay, it's up north it's this concrete thing that you have to like roll your kayak over I did not go over that that's oh I know what' you're talking about yep but here's the rollers there's one more thing over to the left called the bottleneck what it does is it gets super narrow and then it just opens up and back up in there was all clear water in the very very backwards I don't like clear water at all that's just not what I like to fish I wasn't about throwing a Berkeley gilly in the back back there I was <laughs> I want some dirty water I want reaction bite and do everything i can to trick these fish and uh them things are too expensive anyways yeah the chatter rate the gilly. oh my gosh some things are like five
4: bucks a piece
1: for like two of them
4: i know it's well i'm it's like jdm i'm not jank berkeley makes great stuff but ike (laughs) your gilly, whoever makes the gilly, is that is it is that what
6: you use as a as a trailer no,
1: my, my tra the ghillie is just like when I get in like super clear water. I actually heard about it from Scotch. I, I can't give any credit to myself, Matthew Scotch. Yeah. We were staying at the tent house and that's what he was slaying all his fish on all week. So a huge shout out to him. And uh, he showed me how to rig it. I could never figure out how to rig those things. Yeah. So he showed <laughs> me how to rig it. I better not reveal his secret. But I rigged it like that. And if I'd get in that clear water, I would throw that gilly. Man, and that thing looks so real it's unbelievable that's why one i cast like it's unbelievable yeah i don't make no plastics like that like i'll give it my plastics are cool and they're tough but there's nothing (laughs) like that
6: (laughs) no that's good man yeah as old scotch uh i I talked to him he's a friend of mine too and he's uh he's a hammer man He he's he's always up there yeah he's a stick so but uh, so day one yeah so day one i i show up uh, mid-lake texas side um there's about seven or eight kayaks uh getting ready to launch and uh, boats in and out all day long i'm 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 near a bridge so the pylon was a lifesaver for me at lake fork and so i kind of wanted i kind of wanted to check out the bridges and see what was out there well the specific area i was in did have a bridge and it it, it did have Good rock and good good uh, fish that it was holding there. But everybody was fishing that. So I was like, man, you know, worst case, maybe I'll go in there and pick off a few if I'm, if I'm having trouble. But um, this area was a pocket that was facing south. It's cocked over facing the south. So when the wind is coming down from the north, it's not really pushing any, like, crazy dirty water in but it's still causing enough ruckus where like you can't fish that open area. You kind of have to pull back away from it. So in the morning we all take off and I see people, obviously they're going straight to the bridge and then they're going to go into this back pocket. So being that it was cloudy and kind of windy already, I had about an hour before it got really crazy. And normally I don't like to go fish offshore when it's cloudy because usually I can find them pretty good on the bank, but I, I've, I had a gut feeling that a lot of people were practicing in this area and they were just sore lipping a lot of fish. And I was just like, man, I don't think it's going to produce that well off the bank right off the bat, but I know there's, there's enough fish here to get a decent limit. I had marked a bunch of stuff to the left, which was towards the open lake area. And I used my live scope and my side scan to mark all that stuff and get it going. And so when I took off that morning, everybody went right. And I went, I went all by myself to the left, to the open area where the wind was going to be pretty much howling, you know. Uh, But when I got there, it wasn't too bad yet. So about an hour, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into my first spot, I freaking catch it like a 16 or a 17 then i catch another one then i couldn't catch off of that one so i moved on to the next brush next lay down and i just bounced around on all the laydowns, and and wind started picking up pretty much but i was catching fish so i was like man i don't want to leave I, i'm gonna kind of muscle through this and kind of see if i see how long i can go before i can you know can't withstand it anymore because it got pretty hairy out there
4: yeah Damn. and then uh, i've seen some videos it, it was it was bad
6: yeah it was bad and then uh I saw a bunch of people coming out of that back pocket, coming through the bridge. And I was like, you know what? They're not doing so hot because if they wouldn't be wanting Ooh. to come out here, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if, they're, if you know do So I, I was like, okay, well, i ran through all my stuff that i marked and I couldn't catch anything anymore. And uh, so I said, well, let me go see what's left for me in this back pocket. And there was boats in and out of that pocket. So, and it bottlenecks, it's a tight, it's a tight spot. We're not talking about a bridge that's wide open. It bottlenecks and then it opens up again to the back. So I went through there and I kind of just saw people fishing on both ends. There was a boat fishing both ends. And I said, I got one brush pile, not, not, I'm sorry, not, yeah, I have one brush pile that was right in the middle of the cove, right through where the Creek went to the left of it. And I didn't catch anything off of it right away. And there was a boat sitting there nearby. So I figured they had fished it already. Um, and I was kind of waiting for them to kind of adjust so that I can, you know, position myself correctly to see if I can make some cast in there. And they were like, yeah, you're fine, man. You're good. And in the process, when I was doing that, I didn't realize that there was a tree um, a little ways from it, that like basically right underneath me. And, and I had seen it with a live scope when I was there that morning. I hadn't seen it in practice. And it was full of crappie. And uh, but on the right at the top of it, there was a big old blob. And I was like, dude, that's gotta be a big old bass. Hopefully it is. Man, I threw in there, and unfortunately, the first cast that I threw in there, freaking crappie came out and jacked my jacked my uh, got my my uh jerkbait. So I'm like, dang. And I was like, man, there maybe they're a bunch of crappie, maybe that's a catfish just hanging around or something. I threw back in there. I jerked it two times, dude, and then hit again. And when I went to go set that hook, man, it just took off, man. And it was like, I was like, man, this is a big fish. And on day one, I think I had like a 21 or I can't remember what size it was. I don't think it was a 20 or 21.
1: 20, 21 and a quarter. Because I was 21 looking is, at if, <laughs> yeah. in case we tied, <laughs> yeah. in case we tied, you still have me by big fish. All I had was a 21. <laughs>
6: yeah 21 and a quarter and uh man i hooked that sucker right in front of that boat that was fishing like nearby and uh that kind of just kind of made me feel a little more comfortable because i I had a decent kicker at that point and put me a little bit above there and and then i ran further back into the back coves i didn't see nobody catching any fish but everybody was towards the banks so uh, everything i had marked was like the channel band, you know, the channel creeks where they yeah. bend. And I had people, dro- you know, a lot of people drop a lot of stuff out there and I was picking it up on my side scan and I was just, you know, practice marking it. So I pulled up and it was, I pulled up, I turn on my live scope, I shoot it and be like, yeah, there's, looks like there's fish. But the problem was, is that they were actually glued to the bottom both days for me. Like they, you wouldn't mm. see a lot of activity on the live scope. And, um, so I, I was just kind of, you know getting stuff in there to get them to pull up to see if i could see anything come off off the ground and i was man i was actually catching quite a bit of fish doing that and just jerking Orlando, how deep them out of there. You? sorry that just, that area is right? about 10 feet 10 feet deep. okay cool
1: yeah there's a, the perspective mode or
6: i don't use perspective mode
1: Okay. Yep. But I don't have to buy that thing.
6: Yeah, I don't use perspective mode. I use only the forward mode. Mode, and then uh, and I only turn it on once I've like found something. I've marked it, and I and I'm isolated. Like it does, you know, good to try to go searching with that. It's a it's a twenty degree cone, right? It's not very big. Okay. So it, you you know you, you still have to do work. You still have to find them traditionally i like to say with your traditional tools right your down view and your side scan but if you're good with your side scan you're gonna find fish man in any conditions you know you're gonna be able to see you know if they're not working if it's not working out for you on the bank run your side scan and find whatever you can see out there and just pay attention you know most of the time a lot of people that i know that have like live scope they they've had it sometimes for a while and they just they don't really use it they use it differently than I do, and uh, and I feel like they don't utilize the tool as effectively as you can. But it takes time, man, because you see everything—you see drum, you see catfish, you see uh, you know spotted—I mean uh, crappie—and sometimes it's hard to tell what species you're looking at unless you catch a really perfect profile sideways of them, and they're really close. Then you can see like, oh, that's not a bass, you know, that's a catfish. So that tool is pretty useful, man. And it really played a big role for me to capture those fish out off- offshore. And I love, I'm comfortable fishing offshore. I grew up fishing the bank and, and being the bank, but ever since life scope came out, that changed my style because I could definitely focus on trying to find bigger fish. And ever since that did come out, I, that's what I usually do. I try to focus on bigger fish. And, and now that I do tournaments, you know, I, I, Think that the side scan is still my number one tool and then number two is life scope gotcha. um but you know that's just basically my number one day, my my first day of practice was out of that mid mid lake and it was pretty much everything came off of either the middle of the creek channel or laydowns. i didn't catch very many fish off the bank because I didn't really give it a chance. Uh, there was a lot of people in there in and out, and I did catch some off the spinner bait, uh, throwing it into the docks that, that were there. There was very few docks. there was maybe a handful of docks and only like two or three of them were worth the crap. So I threw a spinner bait in there and, and I did catch some, but no, nothing nothing worthy, Good. you know.
4: Yeah. All right, Cody, how, how about your day too, man? You're only what two inches behind
1: yeah I was close. I think I yeah. i and I think that's why I left those fish. I'm regretting it now I mean, and it might not even change anything you know yeah. I mean it is what it is. I'm super satisfied with how everything panned out. I mean Rolando deserves it homies homies a stick, but day two <laughs> for you, me man. was uh a little bit different i- I knew that the bite wasn't gonna pick up. Uh, until later, I just knew that the bites going to turn on for me a little bit later where I was fishing. So I'm like, okay, those trees that I didn't catch fish from, I roll up to my first spot. No one's here. There's not a single kayaker around. Like there was only three or four people that launched, and half of them didn't even launch on time. So I'm like, what are we doing? Like, and then I get in the water. Back up a little bit. I'm, I throw my drive. Garrett Wade's taken off to his spot. He's like, it's 7:30. I'm like, trying to throw my kayak out and get in the water. I get in the water, and everything's frozen, solid. My drive won't spin. Nothing works. Or I can't even put it down in because it wasn't straight. I guess I put should have put it I should have put it in the truck the night before, but it was frozen solid. So I'm like Ooh. holding it down in the water. I'm soaking wet at this point, trying to get my drive unfroze. Garrett's already been he's probably a mile up the river and I'm like, what if he's going to my spot? I don't know. <laughs> we, we better go figure it out though because I finally get my drive to work, and my wheels. I actually had knocked on. Some, I broke my boondocks wheels the day before. I actually had knocked on some guy's door, like, "Hey, dude, you got a welding truck outside? Can I pay you to weld, weld my wheels back on?" And uh, he actually welded my wheels back on. Oh, that's nice! Wow. Super that's hard awesome. to weld. It's super awesome, dude. I'm pretty sure Texas his name was. Uh, there. Yeah, that's right, dude. That's at uh, Texas at Southern Hospitality. Man, I missed that for <laughs> sure. Growing up in Mississippi. So uh, I grabbed my wheels and just chunked them on the bank. I didn't even take anything back up. One of them I almost sunk a foot in the water. I think I splashed this girl named, I think her name was Wesley. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So I throw everything on the bank, take off, and uh, I start hitting those trees. And by the time I get to my first tree, it's already blinds in. Uh, I start beating the trees apart. But then I'm start, I, all I could think about was how many people went back there. I see three, two, two or three other kayakers go back there. And uh, that's literally all I could think about in my head was what if they roll through there first and they get that kicker, they get that 20, they get that 19 because I didn't get no big fish back there. And I, I had from what I had found, there wasn't any big fish like, yeah, I would heard Jackson Orr called an eight, eight, nine pounder back there. But for me, I didn't get that bite. So in my head, but I was mm-hmm. fine and happy with 19s, you know, maybe give me a 20. Cool. Catch a 20. I'm happy with that. So I go back there. And uh, I just couldn't take it any longer. I just went to the back, got in the very back, and everything is different. Oh, and this, you want to talk about freaking out. I'm in the back. And usually where I went through, I'd mark the day before and put a drop pin, and it said 1.9 feet. Uh, I think 17 inches is what I said. 1.9 feet, 17-incher. And I think I said uh, jackhammer or something. And it was 2.9 feet deep. It had came up from 1.9 to 2.9. I wasn't, I wasn't even paying attention, but before I got back there my own um, where I was fishing those trees was typically 50 when we we're starting off. So a good temperature, a perfect temperature for them to be pushing up in those back spots. And uh, 42 was that morning's temperature. I couldn't find mm-hmm. any warm water and I started to worry. I almost went back and packed up and just said, I'm going to go to the main lake and just test my luck. And whether I try to do some panopics offshore or find some deep fish, because I knew some fish with that cold front had pushed back. But it's a gamble too, because sometimes once fish go up, in my opinion, they stay. They're they're there. Yeah, they do. Stay. yeah. So for me, I was like, well, I can go offshore and maybe find the big girls that haven't even pushed up yet on those brush piles, or I can stay here. And I ended up going to the back and uh, finding that the water was deeper. Everything was just completely different. Well, I kept going further back and further back. And uh, I asked that that girl, I hope I don't mess her name up, but I'm pretty sure her name was Wesley. And she said, uh, I'm getting warmer temperatures in the back. And I just remember her saying that. And uh, it just hit me. All this was was a pocket. And way out in front was a river channel. So if that water was, that river was rushing that morning, so I knew that if the river was coming up, it's pushing all that water in the back. And uh, I went in the back, and I found 49-degree water temperatures. And at that point, I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to keep going back. And normally, I had marked where it started to get clear. It was brown as can be. And I hadn't had a single bite, and, uh, and it was even 49 degrees. I don't think it was till 11 or 12 o'clock until I started to catch fish, and I had to go further back and further back. Because the previous day at 2 o'clock, I had stumbled upon something very, very good. Uh, I made seven casts, and I caught six 16-inchers, which they didn't help me at all for the day before. But every single cast, I would never – and it was just wide out in the open. Literally, I was picking trees apart the day before. But with 10 minutes left before 2 o'clock before I left, I caught seven, six to seven fish within seven to eight casts. And i just said i'm i'm done i'm getting out of here and then the, I, I felt bad i kind of lied they're like Did you catch anything back there i'm like no i didn't catch nothing back there there ain't no fish back there <laughs> that's why i'm right. telling you what i'm uh,
5: i'm not gonna tell you there's fish back there i'm cheating again <laughs> but same guy preaching about jesus no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> no man there's some things you gotta
1: tell but then there's
5: some things that just like whoa
0: but uh,
1: <laughs> I ended up going back there and got a small limit. Uh, all 12, 14. fourteen. I'm like, this is gonna be tough. I had like seven people match me. I had my air AirPods in. I'm usually on the phone. Like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with my buddies or with other people? My mom calls sometimes. Like, so we just kind of going back and forth. And uh, they're like, dude, it's tough. I had my other buddy from Mississippi. He's like, hey, dude, you're good. Keep it, keep it up. You just bumped up to like six. I'm like, six place with. 65 inches, so I knew right then it's a tough bite. But I knew that tough bite of those fish that typically were going to eat the day before at nine to twelve o'clock. If they didn't eat then, there's going to be another bite window when that sun comes out, and it's going to be straight fire. It is going to be on fire, mm-hmm. and it's not just going to be for me. So I have to capitalize for everything that I can. And uh, I was actually in the clear water for about two and a half hours, and I had to throw on the golden golden shiner jackhammer at that time. And I was throwing the ghillie too. I didn't get any bites on the gilly that day. But uh I was going back to the dirty dirty water, gonna pick it apart. And at this time I'd probably caught 15 fish. So I knew the bite was starting to pick up. And uh I turned around and I literally just got done saying a prayer and I asked Heavenly Father, where should I go? And uh typically he doesn't always answer. I'm not gonna act like he does and I'm just some perfect angel child because I'm not. But uh all I could, all I remember was turn around and I turned around and flipped at the first tree with the chatter. Well, yeah. I casted the first tree with a chatter bait and pulled out of 21. I didn't realize it was that big. I actually boat flipped it. Uh, I grabbed, I saw how big it was, but it was too far. I was too close to getting it. And I cannot tell you how many fish that I miss with a freaking net. I am not a net guy. I just can't <laughs> do the net thing. <laughs> I'm still learning that, you know, just like with panoptics. I've even extended my handle on my neck to figure it out, but I'm all about standing up, running to the nose of my boat, grabbing into my rod, just yeeting them in. And uh, when I saw the head on that thing, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And uh, obviously, I have my, my sponsors, Yak Rods, and those X Shatters are just, those, they're composite rods, and they are absolutely beast. And I flipped that thing in. I remember just laying on top of it. I laid on top of that fish and he's flipping around. I'm like, you're not. Jackhammer flipped out of his mouth. Just stabbed me like six times in my, in my shoulders and my arms went through my, <laughs> my clothes. But he wasn't getting out. Dude, I freaked out. I called it 18 after that. And then I, I just started doing everything I can. And I remember like four people messaged me at that time and they were following the standings back in Utah and California. And they're like, dude, you're sitting in first. You got first by like four inches. I'm like, Oh, I started to panic. I just started to, I I think I really, to be honest with you, I started to cry. I was, I was just so happy. I was so, I was just so grateful because regardless if I won or not, I knew that I'd done everything that I needed to do, you know, and I'd done the best that I could fish. You know, there was nothing that I could say, yeah, I missed a few fish, but I did all that I could. And,
2: uh,
1: and then that's when it started getting really, really close because, uh, Aaron Mathis messaged me. He's like, "Hey, you got Rolanda by 1.75 inches." Then he called a he called a fish, and uh, she called me. She's like, "He just passed you. He has he's beat you by 0.75." I'm like,
4: "Ooh!" So I had I wouldn't, I wouldn't want board. somebody doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <It> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's too much. Too much, Aaron. Dude,
1: it it made it that much more insane. Like it was, it was a little over the top, but it was so much fun for him, me, and him going back and forth. Like, it was probably three times that he passed me, I passed him. He passed me, I passed him. Well, that's four. But on the mm-hmm. fourth time when I had passed him, I was had him by 0. .75. And uh, I called another 16. And it put me up at two inches at 0. .75. So it was almost three inches. So I'm just like, I got this. So I, I started flipping trees and started getting bigger bites and bigger bites. And then all of a sudden, Aaron messaged me. And she was like, he's got you by two inches. I'm like, huh. Two inches. holy just caught an A-rig fish. He just doubled up.
5: I he know called that without it.
1: a doubt. And uh, I'm like, there's no way that he just called that quick. He just doubled up on the A-rig fish with a giant and a mediocre. And yep. uh, <laughs> I just kept doing everything I could, man. And I needed, uh, I think, like an 18 to pass him. And I flipped a chatterbait with like three minutes left. And uh, let it fall down. As soon as it fall down, I jerked it. Bam. He stuck it. And it was the fish. I knew it was the one and it was one inch short. It was a 17 incher and I needed it to be an 18. So, <laughs> and that was it for me. I didn't catch no more fish with the three minutes left. I, I went everywhere I possibly could. I broke off my flipping reel, almost threw that reel in the water. I was like, I was just panicking, man. I was rushing <laughs> back and forth.
6: And, yeah. That makes uh, it exciting, man, dangerous. to go, go was, you know, how, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't look at the leaderboard much because it messes with my head, you know, and it, See, and it, take, I need to
1: stop, probably.
6: it It throws me off, man. Cause I, I start feeling rushed, you know, and I, I feel like I don't fish the way I'm supposed to fish if I look at the leaderboard. So I, the only way I look at the leaderboard is if I know I'm like, like a hundred inches, you know, I got, then I'll take a look at the leaderboard. But if I'm somewhere in the 70s, 80s, I'm like, man, I don't even want to look at it. You know, if I, I end up where I end up, so I didn't even know that that all of that was going on. I was just trying to catch fish, <laughs> and so, but, but yeah, sorry, man. I, I I just wanted to touch that, you know, say that that's exciting, man. Whenever you, you know, that you're actually going neck to neck. Once you look back on it, right? So
1: no, dude. I thought I thought it was awesome. It was like you said, Diane. It was it was over the top, man. It was <laughs> it was a little bit too much for my soul, but it was dude. It was so much fun going back and forth.
5: What was your day too like, Rolando?
6: Yeah. Uh and uh so let me get into that. But he called it, man. He uh I did I doubled up on an A-rig when you said that. Um and it was a nineteen point seven five and a sixteen something. And uh but day two was um I I made a judgment call last minute. Everybody kept asking me in the house, like they're like, Hey, you going back to your day one spot? Because the guys that I was staying with, they're like, Hey, we don't want to go fish anywhere where you're gonna go. Uh, so that because you're in contention and we're not so I was like man you know I appreciate that I was like man but I'm still like in between whether if I want to go back to my spot to the place spot one versus my my other spot down south and I kept I said can I can I tell you guys in the morning and they're like all right fell us in the morning and then we'll decide whether we want to you know because they wanted to go where if I wasn't going to my spot where I caught my first fish they wanted to go there So I said, yeah, that's fine. You can go there if I don't go. So I said, but let me think about it. I was like, I really got to do some studying before I go to bed. And in the morning, I'm going to make a last minute call. So I woke up in the morning and I was like, I looked at the weather and I said, man, it's going to be bluebird skies, going to be kind of calm. I was like, I need more docks. I was like, I definitely need docks. So I said, yep, I'm going to go south. So I told the guys I'm going south and uh, show up on the bramp." There's only two other people there. So I'm like, sweet. This is a vast, big area, plenty of water for three people. So I just go, I make the run to my brush pile where I lost the big one. And I, uh, you know, start fishing it. Don't see very much. And I said, well, before I leave, let me just throw. I was like, these conditions could be good for the A-Rig. Let me, I, I never throw it. I was like, but something gave me a good feeling. I was like, man, just tie it on and throw it out there. And see what happens. So I tie it on, throw it out there. I've run it through the brush pile boom, I get hammered, I catch one, I think within the first hour, and I'm like, okay, that's good, man, after that, it was no good, I went hours probably with no fish, 10.45, I think I had two small, uh, one decent fish was like a 16 and one small fish, and uh, I started panicking, man, because I was like, man, none none of my offshore stuff is working out, nothing's coming through. And on one area that I, there was a cove that was not very far that I had found some spotted bass. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I just need five fish on the board. I don't care if they're 12 inches. Uh-huh. And I did. I put up some 12 inches on there and I ended up getting three of them off where I had found that spot. And it gave me my limit, but it was a tiny limit. And so at that point I said, okay, it's one o'clock. I got a long way back to the ramp and I got all these boat ramps that are all these boat all these docks that I got to hit. So I said, oh, and I got to, I, I, I remembered, I was like, I got to adjust the water level. So I looked up to see what the water level was for, for Toledo. So I adjusted that on my maps so I can see which docks were still in good water that I wanted to fish. And I only had seen about, it, about five of them that were still good in that transition point. And so I did, so I went straight to those ramps or to those uh, boat docks, I literally caught a fish off of every one of them. And so I just decided to go, you know, when I pulled up, I said, let me, it was big enough and there was stuff, the, the boats were out of the water. So they weren't sitting in the, in the docks and they had a lot of shade. So I said, let me just throw the Alabama rig in there. I threw it in there and uh, caught one cold at a 12 with the 16. I was like, sweet. Then I threw up in there again, caught another one, cold another 12 out and uh i just went doing that in every dock and on one of those i was going into the cove and uh on the side scan i spotted something right in the middle of the cove which was like a lay down it looked pretty good so i decided i was gonna you know just finish my route come back i'll check that out went over it didn't really see a whole lot on it so i just took a gut feeling i was like man just cast over it one time see if anything unglues from the bottom of it So I threw that Alabama rig out there and I was slow rolling it. And, uh, it was about, it was sitting about close to 20 feet of water. I was slow rolling that thing. And then, man, I hear, I felt that, that, that thump set the hook, man. And it felt big. I was like, man, here's the kicker that I needed. But instead it was actually two decent fish, man, man, the double. And so I pulled them up man, and my net that I use is not a really big net. So, I, I was going to try to net them, and I was like, dude, I can't net these fish. And I'll, they're, like, pulling in different directions. I'm like, shit, I need both of these fish, you know. And so I just let the net go, and it's, like, floating. So I just grabbed the line, and I boat flipped both of them on that A-rig. And uh, as soon as I boat flipped one, one of them came off. And Ooh. I was just like, man, I'm glad I got those in just in time. <laughs> and I put those on the board, and I was like, man, that, that hopefully should – Helped me stay in, in first, and uh, and because at that time I already had checked, and it was only minutes left. I think at that point there wasn't very. It was late in the day.
1: It was like and, ten minutes when you did. Yeah,
2: it. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe, it, maybe twenty
1: because AJ cut the board off a little bit early, but it was like twenty minutes left. Maybe.
6: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. and I was like, man, this is exactly what I needed. So, and, and I just continued fishing all of those docks man and I, I caught a few fish that were just didn't help me so I just kept throwing them back but most you know day 1 was rattle was a jerkbait uh spinnerbait and a couple of fish on a rattle trap day 2 was predominantly the Alabama rig and a few fish on the jerkbait um but those bluebird skies was a good judgment call on my part to go south to find those fish in the shade that were high, that were tucked in in those docks and uh or that deeper water and the laydowns, but for me, they were pretty much glued down to the bottom both days. I didn't really get to see. The live scope didn't help me really see a ton of fish roaming around. It just helped me um, see my bait basically where I was running it through.
2: Hmm.
4: Well, good deal, guys. C- congrats! No. On, I mean, we don't want to hold you up here too long here. Uh, <laughs> but before we let you go, we always want to give everybody a chance to. Shout out anybody that makes fishing easier for them. Uh, we'll start with you, Cody. Well,
1: oh, perfect. Put me on the spot.
4: Oh yeah. Well, yak no, rods. Dude, you dude. got that? Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. I always struggle with this. Um, yak rods. Um, my opinion and Henley Henley custom baits. That's right, Henley custom baits. That's all I, I do. Throw a lot other Lures. stuff. You know, once once I go out to other places, I do throw other stuff. But I'm I'm I stick to all my stuff, and I love it, man. I'm. It, I thought it was going to take me a little while to get used to that, but I'm I'm super. I I don't know. I just got used to it now. Uh, Dakota Lithium kept me powered twenty four seven. Always, he says. Uh oh. No, um, no, that's good. No. <laughs> uh, Dakota Lithium. Uh, Thirteen fishing. Uh, their reels are absolutely my favorite. The TX two. Did literally everything for me the entire trip. Like, I use the slide, the Z slides a little bit, the concept Z slides, but that TX2 is literally just money for me. And I think I'm going to swap out all mine and just have that reel and just different gear ratios. Uh, Newport vessel, I just jumped on board with them, I think um, a couple days ago, maybe.
4: Newport vessels, uh, ba- battle baits, dude make some amazing jigs. I've- I've seen some cool, like they have like the it's almost like the oh what's it called? Like the Megamas Under- Okashira. It's yes, like the, the prop head. Yeah, yeah. They, they do dude. have he some up, so.
1: Like he's got some amazing molds. Like it's just unreal. Everything's hand tied. He doesn't use wire. He actually uses the string. Oh, I've never had any problems like his spin. Everything are just just phenomenal. He makes some killer stuff. Um let's see, we, we have battle Bait. I always struggle with this and You might have to come back to me. I'm pretty sure that's right. it, man. Oh that's no, cool. no, no! I just jumped on board with Rogue, with Rogue fishing okay. uh, kayak cushion, the most comfortable I, everybody oh. has. That. I've seen your pictures, Orlando. Dude, those cushions. Dude, are, those things
4: are so. They, oh my! So God. comfortable. I, I, I use one on my office chair because I work from home. I sit on one all day. Yeah, I love <laughs> mine. I don't even use it in the kayak. Band. Yeah,
1: you don't use it in your kayak.
4: No, my seat's oh, fine, man. but yeah.
1: Dude, you know, you I, should I, try. Yeah. My seat was fine too. I, yeah. I, I, I've doubled up now. I have one sitting and in my back. I'm like, oh, dude, it's yeah. so nice. It oh, is. Nice. And uh, P line, P line. Boat flipped every single fish. Not a single fish was netted the whole trip. The tactical fluorocarbon? Uh, I actually you- swapped <laughs> over. Uh, I do use tactical steel. I actually swapped over to the ultimate. No stretch, absolutely no stretch. And it's hurt me a few times. I'm actually going to have to put tactical on a few rods, but I've been flipping right by the boat and I've set the hook and it's just so strong and just with no stretch at all, you can just pop where your, where your tie is off. So depending on how far you're flipping, but on most cases, I like the no stretch when I'm ready to hook set, I want the hook set immediately. And it's the most ab- not
4: abrasive anyways, too. Cool. Nice. I'll have to check that out. What yeah, you? man.
6: Go oh, Rolando. So, Rolando, uh, yeah. yeah. So for me, you? man, I, I don't have too many sponsors, but I do have. Uh, I got Outdoor office here in San Antonio Tackle Shop. Uh, they just expanded too, so they're opening up a bigger shop, and it's I'm pretty excited about that. They support me with all my tackle and gives me a discount on a lot of the. The, the, you know, just the lures and, uh, and he's a Daiwa dealer. So I, I tend to fish a lot of Daiwa rods and reels and a uh, big fan of the Daiwa. Um, I didn't, I used to be a Shimano guy and I switched over to Daiwa now. And I have to say that I'm really impressed with their braking system. It just, that braking system they have is amazing in the wind. It's just, you don't get any backlashes, um, which,
4: uh, which which reels do you use? The regular, the SV, or the, the
6: Elite? SV? So I have a few SV Tatulas. I do have a zillion, and I have a Steez. Um, Ooh, yeah, Watch the out, Steez. Big money. The Steez is is really nice. But honestly, man, you could just go with the SV Tatulas. Um, they all got the great braking systems built into them. You know the, uh, what is that? Uh, air brakes or the? They don't have the little weights like the way they do. Um, like Shimano does or anything, it's their. Oh my gosh, I went blank right now. I can't. You gotta look into the brake system for Daiwa. It's it's top notch, and especially in the wind. So if you're if you're an angler that trouble that has trouble, you know, backlashing, dude, those things are amazing for that. <clears throat> and you still can bomb them pretty far.
4: Uh, uh, the I'm, other- I'm about to get a new reel. I dropped one over a rod and reel over the <sighs> over the side last weekend and. And I Dustin uh, Dustin Nickel said same thing to SV. So, dude, I, the SVs I, I, are awesome. I think awesome. I might be getting one.
6: Mm-hmm. That T that T uh, T wing system actually T-wing, works yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the other sponsor is uh Jared Souls. He's a custom rod builder here in San Antonio. Um, he builds me. You know, he has. He's building my swim bait rod, and he's also building my uh, jerk bait rod. I had a trouble finding a really good jerk bait rod because. I really love jer- throwing the jerk bait and, uh, I just kept pulling fish off a lot and I finally got him to find me a blank. We build one and man, it's perfect. So if you're in the San Antonio area, you got to look Jared up. He, he does some good work on the custom rods. Uh, and then recently, you know, kayak cushion, man, I talked to them and, uh, they put, they put me on their team there. So it's kind of nice to, to be able to be, you know, part of that. So, those things are comfortable, man. I didn't realize yeah. I needed them. So till I try them out, I was like, you know what? They got a discount. I think I picked one, picked one up on the discount there. And I said, I might as well order two of those. I threw them on there. Man, I was on the water. I was like, dang, dude, these things are so comfortable.
4: Oh, like, it's night and day, yeah. dude.
6: It's night and day. Yeah.
4: what what, what what's your jerk beta choice? Uh I just got, one.
6: I got uh vision one just one. Yeah, it's the Vision One Ten. It's the Mega Bass. We didn't um, have to
5: bring you here. Cody could have done the whole interview for you, Roland. Yeah, it
6: is. Uh, and then, and then, and then, if you if you don't want to spend that kind of money, you want to you want to, the Berkeley uh, Stunner. Stunner. Yeah. Yep. It's really good. So uh, you don't have to change so much. heart. You don't have to really do anything to the Stunner. You take it right out of the package and throw it. So it's really good. The 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 Vision One Ten. You you got to be careful with that one it just has amazing action but it you do have to be careful with those hooks
5: sticky Woo.
6: yeah they are very sticky they're very sticky but if you have a rod that's not very parabolic and not soft you will oh, straighten out those hooks yeah yep
1: i'm not a treble bait okay. thrower so i'm not gonna act like i know what i'm talking about i hate trouble. yeah
6: no but but yeah i don't uh, if i can catch a fish on a straight shank hook i'd prefer to do that for sure Trouble hooks can get you in trouble, but uh, that jerk bait is hard to resist, man. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It works, man. Right.
6: Yeah. <laughs> can I give
1: one well, more? They're... I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, Go ahead, man. Ma'am. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Yak Attack. Um, on the way down to Kissimmee, I had someone come and pile my driveway. Have uh, ten inch, ten feet of snow here. It feels like probably like six feet, and uh, I covered up my push pole, the parking pole. And they, they speed shipped me one down to Kissimmee at the house that I was staying at. That's so they funny. literally saved my life. And I used that the whole entire tournament down in Kissimmee with a win, the whole entire tournament. And, uh, I don't think I used it at Fork. Uh, we don't want to talk about Fork. Fork kicked my <laughs> butt. I yeah, caught two that's... fish on day two. I mean, I did just show up, but regardless, I still got wrecked, dude. And, yeah, that uh, I used it the whole entire time wow. on, uh, Almost at Bisno, but on Toledo Bend. So huge shout out to them. Awesome people and awesome equipment,
4: too. There yeah. you go. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, we appreciate it, guys. Thank you for being on. And again, congratulations and good luck the rest of the year.
6: All right, man, guys. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it.
4: Okay. See y'all, yeah. guys. I'm going. Take care, Thank guys. You. Thank congratulations you.
6: Congratulations again.
4: All right. There we go. Now, that's
2: a, talk about that's a couple a great of.
5: Info.
4: Oh yeah, for sure, and uh, yeah, pe- people, two guys that's been having a great year, short, short year so far, but they've done a great job. So yeah, yeah, no, they're um, great anglers. Got a few tournaments here to talk about. First, we had the Peach State Kayak Anglers. They were on uh, that Evil Lake Seminole. There was forty-seven anglers. Uh, Nick Dyer, ninety-three inches. Matt Voigt with eighty-six and a half, and Andy Alger with eighty-five and three-quarter. Uh, kayak anglers of Florida on Tenorock giant bass. Um, Forty, They had 49 anglers. Seth Taylor was in first with a 107 and a half. Sherman Bishop with 103 and Conrad Cornbread Spaghetti, old Conrad Benetti with 88 inches. So it was one of, 107, 103, 88. So that's pretty crazy. Florida. Uh, yeah, Florida. And then we had Swamp County Kayak Bass Association. This was also this one was weird because it was only 20 anglers, but it was a bass event that was going on the same time as Toledo Bend. So there was like a bass event and a Hobie event on the same lake at the same time. That's like screwing your cousin. That's (laughs) a and the
5: Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League, which Rolando won, we didn't. Tell them about that, but he yeah, won as na- well. Saturday.
4: Ninety there was ninety anglers. Rolando got first with ninety. Jonathan Carter in second with eighty-eight and three quarter. And Jeff Isham with eight and third with eighty-five and three quarter. And uh then you had the ABA Hobie. That's a ABA Hobie linked event on Lake Paris out in California. Forty anglers. Jonathan Demone with one oh one. Second place had seventy-seven and three quarters. So he won by 23 inches, 24 inches, uh, Stephen Butcher and then third place, Pat Hanning. And then the two that I was in are the, on Saturday was Tennessee Valley kayak anglers, 35 anglers, three fish limit. I'm on that one 75, 57 and three quarter Michael Cooper in second with 56 and a quarter, Joseph Kirk in third with 56 and a quarter. And then Sunday was a rattle trap on Guntersville. Uh, route, Bill Lewis rattle trap only tournament, 38 anglers. My boy Sam, who I stayed in housewood house with, he had 93 inches, sacked him up. Uh, second was Christopher Marks, knacky guy, 88 inches, and Joshua Sharp. And third with 81 and three quarter, and then I got fifth in that one with whatever I had. Not enough. I think I had like 80 and a half, so. Day, day one was great I caught him on like a jerk bait a swim jig and a uh, lipless and then day two i fished the same area and i had another kayak angler show up and we split fish and you know it was a small i saved i tried to save my fish on day one and didn't hit them too hard I left at 11 so they would still you know so I left playing fish and then day two I, I wasn't the only one you know small area another cat angler shows up and you know so there went my fish so what yeah, can you me, do
5: yeah for me hobie bos toledo day one um the win, not to make excuses really it's more like uh inexperienced oh um, yeah dude fishing. it's so yeah. tough a big
4: national event. It's tough to go out there and do. No, well. and
5: thirty thirty mile per hour winds. That's kind of like screwing me over. I got. I couldn't find anything. I did hook into a big bass, but the wind kept pushing me towards the bass, and I like I didn't set the hook on it. I felt the tension, and I know I had a bass, and but I couldn't set the hook because the wind was just like pushing me right towards it. And when I got it to the boat, I didn't even set the. I couldn't even set. The, he opened its mouth and it, and just spit it out the hook like nothing like i never had any penetration on that hook set um mm. but other than that man i got into a deep creek that i've studied on google maps and i figured it was going to be productive because and in the mouth of the creek um there was a lot of bass or at least a lot of fish that i could find on the side scan but i just couldn't cast with the wind hitting it straight in the mouth of it there's no way i could Like the only thing I could throw was like, maybe like a half ounce jig, everything else would just fly away and I couldn't hold my position. So I went deep into the Creek found a nice spotted bass, 17 inch and kept going. And then I ran into, this is, this is how great this Creek was. It was about five feet wide and 10 feet deep and it was holding fish. And I got to a log and I started flipping at the log two or three times when I realized it was not a log, it was a gator. And keep in mind, I mean, I don't know how big it was because I can only see the head of the gator when it opens his eyes. But I'm thinking, okay, this is like five feet wide. The only way I continue is I literally have to go over him because his head is on the shore, but the rest of the body is submerged. And I'm thinking judging by the head, this is not a three foot gator. It's gotta be like maybe six foot gator. And again, I'm not an expert on reptiles, but I can tell it's not a small gator. It's not a baby gator. Sounds like, you know, business decision here. Do I really want to go over this guy to kind of keep going? Or I just, you know, count my losses and head back? But funny story on the way back, the wind was so hard. Like I, I, there's, I mean, I had a few scares too, because there was a timber forest and one of the, and at one point, I got oh, like wedged, like a like a stump. Got wedged in the scupper hole, and the waves were hitting hitting me and sideways, and I had to completely lean towards the wave and get splashed by the wave in order not to flip. Until finally, a wave big enough kind of like lifted me over the the stump um, and got me out. But I mean, what would have taken twenty minutes from point A to point B, you know, pedaling, took me literally almost an hour and a half i mean there was points where i was like paddling pedaling and i was literally at the same spot for two or three minutes like i was mm-hmm. getting an, an inch per hour uh, per, per five minutes something like that and you know i'm drinking water trying to keep myself hydrated this is i mean it's raining i got this is what i got i got my underwear my leg warmers my um my um um uh, waiters I got a jacket, you know, winter jacket. Then I got the raincoat on top of the jacket. Then I got this, like, fly fishing um, ve- uh, life ve- PFT, which I love. But it has two zippers. Like, you have to open two zippers in order to take it, the jacket out. So I'm getting to the boat ramp. I need to go. Like, I need to go to the bathroom quick. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I get to the boat ramp. There's a convenience store. It was closed. It was an old gasoline station. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I was like, where do I? It's kind of like an open area, like, and there's people around, you know, that's at lines out. So I'm like, I have nowhere to go to the bathroom. This is not like an isolated ramp where I can go to the woods. Like, I'm like 50 feet from from the highway. And, you know, and, and on the other side, it's like an, like a like a rental place, you know, where people on vacation. So I'm like, I need to go. So I figured I'd just go to the car, open the door and just kind of like, you know, cover myself with the car. On my way to the car, this guy keeps, kind of stops me and I'm trying to be nice and he's asking me how I did and all that and I'm like, dude, I gotta go. I'm like, I gotta (laughs) go bad. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking all this, uh stories would tell us kids that if you don't go to the bathroom you're gonna break it you know <laughs> so finally i'm losing the battle i'm on my waders and i'm like that's it i can't do it and i'm talking to this guy this guy's going on and on about what he found and this guy fishing on the boat tournament and i'm just peeing on myself on my waders Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with somebody looking in the eye while you're peeing on yourself, but that was the first for me. And this guy's talking, I'm just peeing on myself, and I was thinking, you remember that movie Dumb and Dumber, when, you know, they're driving with the moped up to Aspen, and Harry, and yeah. he tells Harry, you know, I gotta go, and he says, just go, and oh, he's just like, oh, I, I feel yeah. warm, that's exactly yeah. what I feel like. Ah, this is not bad. This is really warm.
4: Did was it the whole (laughs) did you do the whole thing or did you like Yeah, I couldn't say I was
5: like, what I just and keep in mind, I've been I drank like (laughs) a gallon of water. Yeah. All right. So I got and I'm like, this feels warm. And all the pee went to my right foot. So my right
4: foot weighs (laughs) really 20
5: pounds and my left (laughs) foot is light as a feather. And finally the guy stops talking and I'm trying to load my kayak walking like people looking at me like what's wrong with this are you w-
4: are you swooshing what what's, yeah. I, what's that water sound i hear
5: yeah no the th- thank thank god i didn't order the side asparagus that night at the the night before at the steakhouse because that that would have been even worse
4: <laughs> so you drove spare. home with with piss on your oh
5: i had to load my radio? kayak and everything which which the ba- boat wrap is full so i'm like you know this warm pee is eventually gonna get cold and i need to get out of here you know, thankfully the, you know, the, the insulation on the waiters kept it warm for a little bit, but yeah, it took me like 45 minutes to get home. I'm driving in the car for like 30 minutes on my own piss. God <laughs> dog, man. I went into the shower with my waiters and everything on. I'm like, uh, this is the first for me. So I don't know if you ever had that happen before, but it's, uh, it's weird. Weird sensation.
4: No, no, I you know what, Armando? <laughs> I can't say I have. I've had a few experiences, but so I nobody I, I can't out there say. listening
5: on podcasts, Ooh. please comment on the paddle and fin. Let us know if you've gone through anything like that.
4: Oh, I don't want to be you. the
5: only one, but it was funny.
4: You might be the only one. Nobody has no, done No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's um, happened. They might not admit it like you did, but I'm sure some people have. I, I've done some things out on the water before I'm not proud of, but I've never pissed on my waders. <laughs> but yeah, well, I've done go. things. So there you go. There you All go. right, everybody. Well, uh, as always, we appreciate you listening, watching, whatever you do. Like, subscribe if you're on YouTube, five star review. I don't know. Well, whatever you want to do. We appreciate it. But uh, thank you. And we'll see you again next week. Armando, thank you for coming on tonight. Appreciate it.
5: My pleasure filling in for Jimmy. Love Jimmy, we love you. Come back. This is your home. Yeah. Whenever you can, man. Whenever you're ready.
4: And as always, uh, wear your PFDs, people. See you next week. Stay
5: safe.
3: Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional, for all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to Pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to RocktownAdventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eSport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs, when in
2: doubt, get the jig out. Go to Jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.